At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Overflow, from Him, through us, for all, as we explore Paul's letter to the Church of Corinth. Together, we'll focus our attention on the gifts of God and see that we're not meant to keep His blessings to ourselves, but to live as vessels of His abounding grace. Amen. Will you please get out your Bibles and open to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, today we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 7. As you recall, if you've been here over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a series called Overflow. Uh, the idea of this series is we're going to be looking at chapters 8 and 9 of the book of 2 Corinthians. And what's going on here is the Apostle Paul is teaching us about a very important thing in our lives, a very tangible thing in our lives, which is generous giving. Generous giving, but this isn't a giving that is uh, that is brought forth because of guilt. Uh, this isn't a giving that is brought forth because of being a command. This is a giving that is brought forth because of the overflow of the Holy Spirit's joy inside of the believer. This is a giving that is fully based in the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been amazing to see as we've looked at this series, just a different way to look at generosity in the life of a believer of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to emphasize that for just a minute. This is written to a church, so this is written to believers in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's so great you're with us. I want to let you know that we're not preaching here today and talking about giving because we want you to give to our church. That's not what we're doing here. We're we are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the first thing I desire for you to give is your entire life to Jesus Christ. The first thing each and every person here who knows Jesus wants you to do is to surrender your life to Jesus Christ because uh, we have all broken God's commands. We are in rebellion against God and we need a a savior who is Jesus Christ. But for the Christian today, we're going to dive into this word and we're going to look at uh, the word of God and what it teaches us about generous giving. And really what we're looking at today is ministry. Ministry. Now, when we think about this word ministry, uh, what are some of the things that come to your mind? You know, for me, some of the things that come to my mind are serving the church. Or you hear somebody say, hey, I got called away from my secular career and I got called into ministry. We talk about overseas missionaries doing ministry. And really the word doing is really associated many times with ministry. And it is very true that ministry is serving, it is doing. But in our text today, we're going to see there's another piece of ministry that many of us miss. We're going to see that, that, that also another piece of ministry uh, in 2 Corinthians 9, 1 through 7 is giving. We can minister to others and we can worship God through our giving. So let's read that text together. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1 through 7. Now it is. Oh my goodness, I struggled with this all morning too. Superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about to the people of Macedonia, saying Acacia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident." 
So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving is more than money. Giving is ministry. The Apostle Paul says right there in verse 1 that it is called the ministry for the saints. And what he's doing here is he's reminding the Corinthian church that they made this commitment to give to the ministry that is happening in the church in Jerusalem. If you recall, as we looked at chapter 8, the Apostle Paul comes to the Corinthian church, and what's been going on in the Corinthian church is that false teachers have been coming in, and they've been saying that the Apostle Paul's ministry and his apostleship is discredited because there is suffering in his life. Well, what the book of 2 Corinthians is doing is the Apostle Paul is reestablishing his ministry. He's reestablishing that he is called by God and he has authority by God. But also he's talking to them about this collection that they've previously committed to give to the church in Jerusalem. And so what we're seeing here today is he's previously in chapter 8 talked to them about the Macedonian church. He said, listen, there's this church in Macedonia and I want to tell you about the grace that God has given them. They were poor. They were dirt poor. Yet at the same time, they were so filled with the mercy and grace and forgiveness and joy of Jesus Christ that they gave above and beyond their means. You had to picture the Apostle Paul going into Macedonia and seeing this very poor community and saying they won't be able to give much. And then all of a sudden, this offering comes forth and he says, no, don't give that much. You, you can't afford it. And then the Macedonians, they beg him for the favor to contribute to the saints. They beg him for this favor of being able to help out brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering. And they were inspired by the Corinthian church. You see, previously the Corinthian church had committed to give to Jerusalem. The year before, they'd given an enormous amount of support to the church in Jerusalem. And the Apostle Paul had spoken about their testimony to the Macedonians. The Macedonians heard about the brothers and sisters in Christ doing this, and they were inspired to give as well. So the Apostle Paul comes to our text today, and the first thing that he's going to tell the Corinthian church and us that we need to think about when we think about generosity and giving is that we first must commit to give. First, we must commit to give. He says, now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saints, for I know of your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia saying that Acacia has been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. The reason he says Acacia here is because Corinth is actually the capital of Acacia. And so uh, what we're looking at here is he's saying, listen, the Macedonians know that you guys are ready. I've been bragging about you to them. So I know I don't need to remind you. Have you ever had one of those conversations before where someone comes to you and be like, hey, I know you know this. But I'm going to remind you anyway. I've had those type of conversations before. To be reminded once again of, uh, of what we already know. 
So why does the apostle Paul have to remind them? It's because he looks at these brothers, sisters in Christ. He knows their hearts are right in giving to the saints. They do have this zeal and passion and desire to give to the saints. Yet their zeal has grown cold. And it may have come from these false teachings coming in and them questioning the Apostle Paul's ministry and saying, is this really going to go where the Apostle Paul says it is? Am I really giving to God's ministry? Uh, But also it could just be things in life that are happening that, that have caused them to grow cold to giving. So what the Apostle Paul does here, he reminds them of what they once committed to. You know, sometimes in our lives, our passions and desires for Christ can grow cold. Our desire to obey God, our desire to live out the Christian faith. And sometimes we just need a kick in the pants, don't we? Sometimes we just need a jump start. And we do that through authentic, loving Christian community. Authentic accountability for one another. Truly, we are here to live out the faith of Jesus Christ. That is the church. The church is a group of followers of Jesus Christ who've been saved by the grace of God to live on mission for the glory of Christ in all that we do in community with one another. So we encourage one another. We uplift one another. We care for one another. And we do ministry with one another. And so the Apostle Paul is talking to his beloved church and he's reminding them of what they committed to. And he says that they must commit to give. And what he's saying here within this is, listen, this isn't just about supporting the saints. It is. I mean, if they're not giving their, uh, their, uh, their commitment, it's going to cause the church of Jerusalem to struggle. But at the same time, he's saying, you're missing out. You're missing out on doing ministry in this community. And he's calling us to commit to give. You know, one of the ways for me that has helped me commit to give is through online giving. This is one of the ways that has caused me to be able to remain faithful even when I forget. I don't know if you've ever been here before, but you, you are really intent on giving the tithe. And you come into the church and you forgot your checkbook. And you go home and you found out that your kid actually used it for a sketch pad now. (laughs) And you have no checks left. Now you have to order checks from the bank. The checks have to come. You have to write all this different kind of stuff. What's really awesome is that, that God has given us this beautiful thing to be able to give through online giving and automatic giving. Uh, Pastor Doug Schmidt used to call it automatic faithfulness. I thought that was a, a really beautiful thing because it's so easy to forget. And truly, we desire to give to the Lord because it's worship of him. Truly, it's saying in our lives that money is not my master, but that God is my master. Truly, it is in our lives saying that I am not run by the things of this world, but I'm run by the things of heaven. That my life is not about getting everything in this world, but it's about the glory of Christ. And so we get to do that. So the first thing we have to do is commit to give. And this is what the church at Corinth has done. They've committed to give. Well, as we go further along in the text, we're going to see that we need to prepare to give as well. So first we commit to give, and then we prepare to give. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.3. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. 
Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. It's interesting here because he's talking to the Corinthian church and he is being straight up with them. He says, listen, I know you guys know about giving generously in the joy of Christ because you've committed to this and you've done this before. I've even told the Macedonians about this. It fired them up and they gave this incredible gift of the grace and joy that they have in Jesus Christ themselves. He says, they're coming with me now and I want them to come and see you in the way that I spoke about you. He testified about them. And what he says here, he says, the reason why he wants this is so that, and he does it twice, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter. And so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. So he's sending brothers ahead of them to prepare them to give what they have previously committed to. He's giving them a time to prepare, and he's sending people with them to be able to help them prepare for giving the commitment that they had previously made. You can imagine, can't you, if the Apostle Paul goes to the Macedonian church, who is very poor, and he tells them about the church at Corinth, which was a very wealthy community, and what they had given And then that inspired the Macedonians out of the grace and gospel that they understand in their hearts to give above and beyond their means. And the Macedonians are fired up to come to the Corinthian church and meet these people who the Apostle Paul had testified to and to see what the Lord is going to do through them and the outpouring and the overflow of the grace of Christ in the church of Corinth. Imagine if you're from Macedonia and you show up and these guys do not give that offering that the Apostle Paul talked about. It does a few different things there. First, it causes you to be disheartened because of the commitment of the brothers and sisters. Second, it causes you to question the Apostle Paul and what he's saying. They'd be humiliated and much of what the Apostle Paul was saying within this would be discredited. The Apostle Paul is just calling the Corinthian church to live up to what they already committed to. And truly, friends, this series has been incredible. Incredible to see what generous giving comes out of. You know, I've really been challenged because throughout Stacy's in my life, we know the vital importance and the obedience of giving the tithe to the local church. We see it throughout the Old Testament, then we see it brought into the New Testament. We see this concept brought. But I've been challenged even more that we are called to give above and beyond the tithe of the church. We're called to look around across the world and look for persecuted saints. To look around across the world and look for places that need the gospel. We're called to step back and have a worldview that is so much bigger than Macomb County. We're called to step back and see that God is calling us to make disciples of all nations. And so I've been challenged within this to ask, what does my budget look like in order that I could give above and beyond the tithe? Because truly, as we look at being prepared to give, giving to the ministry of God is an eternal investment. It's an eternal investment. We talked about the three different things that God has given us in life to invest. It's our time, it's our talent, and it's our treasures. We can invest our time by serving the kingdom of God. 
We can invest our talent by serving the kingdom of God. And the final thing is we can invest the money that the Lord has given us to steward. As we've learned before, it is all God's. It is not ours, and he has gifted it to us to see how we will utilize the finances that he has given us. Really, it shows just what we're committed to. We talked about the fact that what your calendar says and what your bank account says, says what you truly value. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is that Christians are to look at the ability to give money as ministry. What I mean by ability is that God has given us money, period. God has given us uh, the ability by giving us finances to utilize and steward whatever amount God has given us. Now, there are those who have very little in this church who give much. Praise God for you. And there are those who have much who give very little. You see, what we're called to is to, within our hearts, ask God what he wants to do with his money through us. Truly, we get the opportunity to help accomplish God's purposes. Think about that brother or sister in Christ who is sitting in a foreign country who is worshiping Jesus with their entire heart, soul, mind, and strength, who truly has to have peace that passes all understanding because fear and anxiety would absolutely consume them if they looked outside at what they could face for knowing Jesus. They could face beatings and death, losing their family, imprisonment. Imagine that brother or sister sitting down to have a meal and there's nothing there for them. And then because of the contribution of the saints in Chesterfield, Michigan, Food shows up on their table. Imagine that. Imagine preparing to give in this way that we could do ministry with the money that God has given us. We also have the opportunity to support even our church body. We're called to do good to all, especially to those who are in the church. Here at Woodside, we call that our benevolence offering. We do that typically on the second Sunday. And what happens with those finances, it is given to those within the church to be able to help support them. Truly to look at the needs of the church to help out orphans and widows in their distress. Imagine the love that a member of the body of Christ feels when a bill that they thought they couldn't pay and their electricity was going to get shut off or their water was going to get shut off, that they were able to not have that occur because of the grace and mercy of the saints. But in order to do this stuff, we have to do two things. We have to commit to give and we have to prepare to give. Preparing to give is sitting down with our budgets at home and saying, where does my monies go? It's looking at the finances and seeing just what we're spending our monies on. And one thing that I would encourage you to do, if you're looking at your budget and you have budgeted your tithe into your budget, you need to rework your budget. We are called to worship God through our tithes and our offerings. Tithe, that 10% offerings, that above and beyond. Truly, as the call of a Christian, I 100% believe this. This is not because I'm a pastor. This is what I believe with all my heart as a Christian. One of the things we are called to is live on 90% of our income. 
It's one of the things that we're called to. So when we look at big life decisions, so the cars that we buy or the houses that we buy, we need to consider it that way. We need to consider it with 90% of our income. But even more than that, we can look at that tithe and that offering above and beyond and ask the Lord, God, what do you want us to do? How do you want me to prepare to give more to the work of your ministry? God, do you want me to give to International Justice Mission to help fight sex trafficking? Lord Jesus, do you want me to adopt a child? Lord God, do you want me to give $300 to plant a church overseas? There's so many opportunities to worship and serve God with the finances that he has given us. Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus' ultimate concern is about our hearts. God owns all money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is in control of all things. He does not need our money. We get the opportunity to invest into eternal things, to invest here, to reap rewards in heaven. You know, for me, this really came home to me when I, when I talked to my dad. My dad is going to be 75 years old, uh, June 1st. And I just asked him, Dad, as you look back at your life, what is something you wish you would have done differently? He says, son, I wish I would have invested more into the kingdom of God. I wish I would have invested more in serving. I wish I would have invested more in giving. And now my dad supports a few different missionaries, indigenous missionaries through Gospel for Asia. He says, I just want to give to this because I want to invest into the kingdom. I want to see God's ministry go forth. You know, we may look at our lives right now and say, I have a lot of years left to live. But the reality is, is that none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And even if we do live 30 or 40 more years, it'll go by like a flash. Ask anybody who's there right now. So why don't we consider today and we prepare ourselves to give to the kingdom of God? and to give to the work of the ministry. The Apostle Paul calls the church to commit to give. He calls the church to prepare to give. And finally, he calls the church to cheerfully give. 2 Corinthians 9.5 So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must gift as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. When we think about those two words, we don't often think about them together. God loves a cheerful giver. And the reason why we can be cheerful is because of the grace and mercy and gospel and joy of Jesus Christ. The reason we can be cheerful is because we truly see what is happening with the monies that God has given us. Pretty much everything we invest in in this life will go away someday. 
There's an old saying, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Everything else that we invest in in this life is going to go away. But investing into the ministry and the kingdom of God has eternal rewards and eternal value. It is the guaranteed return. And we're called to cheerfully give. Now, I see the Apostle Paul here. He says it wants it to be a willing gift, not an exaction. Now, I don't know about you. When I first see that word, which means something that is demanded, I think of the word extraction. And it reminds me of the dentist. <laughs> and is it not true that many times giving is like pulling teeth? <laughs> You know, I talked about the analogy of working out and how, uh, for me, as I was a personal trainer, you know, when, when I started lifting weights and such, it was painful, it was hard, but I did it every single day. And then as I did it every single day, the pain started to go away and it started to turn to this euphoria and this addiction that I had to get in the gym and just lift because I saw what the gym was doing to my body and I saw how it was changing me. This is how it is with giving. It will be difficult at first, looking at that budget and going, but I don't want to give up my Starbucks every day. I don't want to give up that fishing lure. I don't want to give up that hunting trip. But when we see the value that investing into the kingdom is. When we see lives transformed and eternities changed and that multiplies on top of itself, it becomes a euphoria and it makes us a cheerful giver. You know, some of the questions I ask myself, what is holding me back from giving? The first thing that I came to was fear that I will not be provided for. Matthew chapter six, Jesus says that he sees all the sparrows and the lilies of the field. He takes care of even them. He says, how much more do I know what you need and will I take care of you? Discontentment. Not being content with what God has given me. Yet the word of God says godliness with contentment is great gain. One of the greatest enemies to our joy is contentment. Another thing is comfort and pleasure. I want deeper pleasure in my life, and money is a way to give that. But for me, that's a misunderstanding of where true pleasure and true joy and true comfort come from, because true pleasure and comfort and joy come from Jesus alone. And so as we, we look at these things, as we look at committing to give and preparing to give, we have to ask ourselves the question, what is causing me to not see the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the extent that I can cheerfully give? And the Apostle Paul gives a reason. He has, for whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. You are going to get out what you put in. If you are a farmer and you go out and you sprinkle three seeds and you expect to get an entire crop, 
It's not going to happen. But if you go out and you sow seed bountifully, you're also going to reap bountifully. Now, in the same way, God is in sovereign control of rain and what happens with the farming process. He too is in control of everything we invest as well. But we're called to faithfulness and to be cheerful in that. You know, I've heard it said before, and I've talked to different people that say, well, if I'm not cheerful, then I just won't give. That's not what he's getting at here. You see, if we're not cheerful in our giving, then we need to start asking what's going on in our heart, right? Because Jesus connects money back to where our heart is. So I know we're not always going to feel cheerful about taking that money out and giving it. But what I would encourage you is don't just give that money. Follow and notice and pray for and look at what God is doing through whatever amount of money God calls you to invest above and beyond your tithes and offerings. Buying a PlayStation 5 or a new game or whatever else is not going to have the value that giving to a child who is in need, helping fight sex trafficking throughout the world, giving to Compassion Pregnancy Resource Center and supporting fighting for the life of the unborn. These are eternal things and they have eternal value. And truly, as we look at this idea, the Apostle Paul wants to bring us once more back to the idea that this is not about compulsion, this is not about extraction or exaction, it's not about a command, it's about an understanding of the grace and mercy and forgiveness and joy that we've been given in Jesus. Amen. Truly understanding that. You have to get that. Because if we're just giving money, because we have to, we're not truly going to get the joy out of it that we are called to. Understanding that Christ saved us. Christ saved us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, absolutely unable to save ourselves. We could not do anything. But Christ broke in. The Holy Spirit made you alive. You became a new creation. And now you are not bound to hell for all eternity. You are bound to be with Christ for all eternity. Now your funeral is not a mourning and a time of terrible grieving with hopelessness. It is a memorial of a celebration of what God has done in your life like yesterday was. What an incredible worship service that was. So many lives impacted by giving of time, talent, and treasures. Brothers and sisters, money is ministry. And if we can look at money as an opportunity to give to the ministry of Christ, it will completely change the way we view our finances and truly understanding the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ that he, want, that he first gave himself. 
he first gave himself to us. Just a minute here, we're gonna partake in communion. We get the opportunity to celebrate the greatest act of generosity ever given. Philippians 2 says that even though Jesus was the very form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the greatest gift that's ever been given. Are you not glad that we serve a generous God? Are you not glad that we serve a gracious and loving God? Are you not glad that God did not leave us dead in our trespasses and sins? And do you not want someone else to come to that faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ? Because it's good news. It's the greatest news that has ever been told. And people everywhere desperately need Jesus. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.